White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 769. I'm Brandon Marcello, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight! The weekend was a mixed bag for Auburn fans, but we're in pretty good bowl game, and recruiting is looking very good. We'll talk about it. The AU Wishbone is next. listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! the palatial white rocket studios where we have very little voice tonight <laughs> you think i've been at the bowl game already cheering in southern illinois and eastern virginia oh it's the au wishbone podcast john how are you tonight i'm hanging in there van how are you yeah i'm scratchy it's not good i for some reason started losing my voice this morning and taught two classes today with very little voice so here i am but i'm sure i'm not going to be a joy to listen to but i'll try to be I'll tr- i'm drinking a nice lemon drink here i hope i'll be as good as possible as we get through this show fans playing hurt he's rubbed some dirt on it came back in the game kept on going yep yep joining us tonight is our special guest santa boris santa boris is live in the studio so he'll have a few comments at some point i'm sure we got a lot to talk about don't have any huge stories but man we've had some controversial stuff going on of course before we get into all that there's the rule first thing we have to do It's the Auburn Fun Meter. It's our weekly measurement of how much fun it is to be an Auburn fan this past week and currently between 0 and 10. And I'm curious to hear what you're going to say. This is one of the more complicated Fun Meter readings we've had all season. Yes, it is. Still still lingering Iron Bowl pain. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, it's going to linger for a long time. It is. And then, uh, you know, what happened this weekend with college football... Uh, basketball game team lost on Sunday. They won on Wednesday, and then they lost on Sunday. So that's lost on Wednesday. Won on Wednesday, lost on Sunday. We had some really positive recruiting news on Friday. Yeah. So the week overall was a mixed bag, but mm-hmm. with does you know, in the long run, I think it'll be very positive. But right now, I can't go higher than a four. Yeah, no, I I think probably three for me, and I think that's being generous, honestly. But yeah, it. it some of it was indirect. Some of it is recency bias. I'm more upset that we lost to Appalachian State than I am excited that, you know, a week ago almost we beat Virginia Tech. Although that was cool. That was a good game. We'll talk about it. And then the whole bowl thing, just that was some good news there. We're not in the Birmingham Bowl. We're in the Music City Bowl. And I've got my tickets already. We're going to be there. So that's exciting. Uh, surprisingly affordable for a nice little bowl game in a really nice new NFL stadium in a nice, very attractive city that's fun to go to, right? And it's only four hours away from us. So um, that's all well and good. Um, I don't love driving to Nashville over all the huge mountains you have to go through from, from here between uh, between the Tennessee north border and, uh, and Nashville. That's a pain. But once you get past all that, it's a pretty fun city. It's not Memphis in terms of food, dang it, but it's, uh, it's, it's all right. 
They got a Corky's. We'll be fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, you know, there was that. But then there was the whole bowl for Alabama and the committee and all that, and we're going we're gonna to get into all that here next. So do you have anything before you want to get into our first topic here? I'm just sorry it wasn't the number one pick on Van's food preference bowl draft. <laughs> well, that's, you know, I mean, I'm... I, bowl I, selection I, criteria, and then there's what's good for Van and his <sighs> traveling food preferences. Well, of course, but... You know, in my defense, I couldn't be heavily involved in choosing which bowl Auburn went to because of my duties on the on the playoff selection committee, apparently, as I've been saying, right? I found myself somehow this weekend on the bowl's playoff, the playoff selection committee. Congratulations to you, Van. We're proud of you. As They only pick one podcaster to be on that bowl selection committee, and they picked you some time ago and uh so tell us about it how did it go on the inside and what was it like making that big decision and when did they drag you out of the room when they started saying <laughs> nice things about alabama <laughs> well the first thing that we did when we got in there that morning was to smoke weed every day and that was how we came up with alabama being in there right obviously um and then as soon as they told me that I was the only vote against Alabama, I immediately said, No! No! No, I'm devastated! I'm devastated and they're celebrating right in front of me! This is the worst! This is the worst! No! This never gets old. Um, yeah, that was my reaction pretty much. I was actually in the shower uh, and my phone was playing that bowl selection show. And I heard it, and I just kind of slumped and hit my banged my head on the wall like, ah, I, I really did think they were going to do the right thing. And, of course, I, that was just giving them too much credit. I'll be honest. I was genuinely shocked. I did not think that was going to happen. Hmm. Now, may, you could say, listener could say, John, you're naive, and I'm sure I am. Uh, because, and here again, I'm an optimist. I think things are going to, you know, the right thing, positive things are going to happen. And instead, it's, right. you know, uh, bad things will happen and, and global corporate <laughs> conglomerates will put their finger on the scale to tilt it in, in favor of teams who absolutely don't need any help ever. So, so this, this is how it broke down, and this is pretty funny. You were 100% Florida State was getting in. I was absolutely 50-50. I was not going to be surprised either way. And my wife was 1,000%. She told me Alabama's in. I said, but... Honey, no, it's more complicated than that. You see, she's like, no, I don't care. Alabama's going to get in. She said, they're just going to. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but it's, she's like, no, they're going to. And when I got, <laughs> I got out of the shower, toweled off, put my clothes on, walked out in the kitchen. She's standing there. She looks at me and goes, told you so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm glad to see you're handling this in a very rational and mature way. And she just laughed. Yeah, absolutely. Cause she, she knew she was right. And I was like, yeah, in hindsight, I, I should have been a hundred percent that they were getting in. I just think like, so I'm of two minds about this. Okay. Here's, this is how I feel. I was honestly shocked because I think the right thing to do was to put Florida state in. Yes. They were an undefeated power five conference champion. Yes. They deserved it. And they're being penalized because the committee thinks, oh, they're not as good mm-hmm. without their starting quarterback. And 
There's, but they didn't give them the opportunity to go prove it, right? right. I mean, they're a bunch of professional coaches and players, you know, and they had good players on that team. They got a month to figure it out. They could coach the backup guy up and go beat Michigan or whoever, oh, right? That or, really could have happened. Or Florida State could have said, oh, he'll be back in two weeks. They could well, have just lied. This is the Li- other part. Just right? lie, it, Florida State. My gosh. We, when have you ever been you know, accused of being – We have created all the wrong incentives now. Yes. Lie. Yes. No one will ever be honest about an injury again. No. They'll never. all lie. And the other one is don't play your good players. This is the other thing. If you if you love college football, this ruling is going to really ruin all that stuff because the message is very clear. Oh, I'm sorry. You paid $100 to come to this late-season game against a bad team. We're not going to play anybody important today. And Yes, you're right. And guess what else? Florida State took a knee and ran the clock out against Louisville. Yeah. Up 16-6, to I believe. I know they were up double digits. 16-6. to And one of the announcers said they might need to go for a touchdown here because style points could matter. And they didn't. They took a knee, which was the respectable, non-Steve Spurrier in his prime thing to do. And looking back, if that game had been 23-6, to it's not a lot better, but better than 16-6, to you know? Here's the other. Here's what really. I'm just saying it, it, it incentivized them to to it, to it, run it up. Them to be unsportsmanlike. Yeah. Yes. It's another bad incentive. This hundred percent. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I hadn't thought about it. Here's the other one. The Alabama AD was like, "Oh, if they don't let us in, they're telling you not to schedule good teams." Okay. You know who scheduled good teams? Florida State. Yeah. They played LSU and Florida. Mm-hmm. And you know why they didn't get in? Because those two teams weren't as good as everybody thought they were going to be. Yeah. If L- if Florida had been ten and one and competing for the SEC title, and Texas had been six and five, FSU would be in the playoff. But yeah. Florida sucked, and therefore Florida State got penalized. Florida State beat LSU way better than Alabama did on a neutral site. Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah, and I, and and of course there's that stomach churning realization. That if we had knocked that ball down, the oh, whole yes. thing would have oh. been moot. And now, yes, now we're the crux of the matter, which is it's our fault. We, Auburn, mm-hmm. are responsible for this happening to the world of college <laughs> we are the, football. We are the chaos program. We are the chaos agent. We sh- if we could have won that game, this would not have happened. Now, th- what I've heard is, okay, what if if Auburn had beaten Alabama and Alabama had beaten Georgia – would they have done this with Georgia? <clears throat> Ye maybe. A 12 and 1 Georgia team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it would have been Georgia or Ohio State that would have gotten the last spot. And I think they'd have taken Georgia over Ohio State. But then they could see that it worked with Alabama because they could use the conference champion thing yes. and say they were conference champion too. I think it's much harder to do this without a conference champion yeah. uh, and, and give it to those teams over Florida State. Yeah, and I and I think that the well, and see if Ohio State got in over Georgia, it takes us back to that other long simmering controversy, which is sometimes it's better not to even play in the conference championship game. And guess what program got in that way in the past? Alabama, because all the all the rules breaking and all the ways it'll work out work out for them absolutely but also this i'm 
I'm not a... So, again, I, I feel about two ways. I'm very upset about it. It was the wrong thing to do. Florida State deserved to be in. At the same time, from a football perspective, they're not wrong, okay? Alabama will be more competitive in these games than Florida State would have been without their starting quarterback. It doesn't mean Florida State didn't earn it, and I believe Florida State should be in the playoff instead of Alabama. But they're not wrong from the sense of if you want the four teams that will be more competitive, right. it should be Alabama. Uh, okay, but you're – and you're, I don't. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing, but I think you're raising another issue now, which is simply what exactly are the criteria? Is it body of work? Do you favor late season over early season? Because honest to God, John, it seemed to me like the committee looked at the last two weeks. Yes. That's all they looked at was the last two weeks. That's right. The other the, again, we know this from previous years, but their middle of the season rankings and stuff. It doesn't matter. No, it's, it's garbage. Just a TV show. Don't, please don't waste your time. Don't waste a minute watching that show or paying yeah. a lot of attention to those rankings. That's why we don't talk about them in this podcast because they don't matter. The only thing that they did consistent was keep Texas ahead of Alabama when they moved them both up way high mm-hmm. from seven and eight to three and four. God, and, you know, people keep talking about it, reminds them of 2004 Auburn. You know what it also kind of reminds me of is 1983. I thought the same thing. This I is Miami. The same thing. Yeah, this is Miami jumping everybody because it's not the body of work. It's just the last couple of weeks. Well, they beat Nebraska, so and we thought Nebraska was it. And Alabama beat Georgia, who was supposed to be it. And we and thought Georgia was the best team in the country. So Alabama I, must be the best team in the country, despite <laughs> the other body of work we've seen all year. I keep pointing out Georgia is now number six. So Alabama beat number six, how are you um, – Ohio State – I mean, think about this for a second. Georgia was uh, – Alabama beat number six. Ohio State lost to number one. Ohio State lost to number one on the road in number one's home stadium. Um, Alabama lost at home to Texas and only beat number six. So how is it that Alabama has better credentials than Ohio State? The only thing that Alabama has over Ohio State is they got to play in the championship game and beat Georgia. But if you consider the Ohio State-Michigan game to be the true Big Ten championship game, which let's be honest, right, it was, then Ohio State, I mean, they only, their only loss was on the road to the number one team in the current poll. How is that how is Alabama's resume better than that? So, but nobody was making other, an argument. This is the other part where I think Texas should have been in instead of Alabama, and Florida State should have been in without question. Yeah. That this is the thing that was clever is making Texas number three. See, mm-hmm. because then you could put in Alabama number four and have a discussion about Florida State. I think Florida State should have been number three, and yeah. Texas should have been number four. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know. You're exactly right. Yeah, because if you put if you put Florida State number three, then you you got if you put Alabama in over Texas, it raises the question. But Alabama lost to Texas at home. How are you putting Alabama in over Texas when they lost head to head? Yeah, but by putting Texas number three, you do away with the head to head argument. I actually had that conversation with an Alabama fan on Twitter this afternoon, and at the end of it, he said, "Yeah, I agree with that." I mean, he was like challenging me, challenging me, challenging me. And I'm like, "No, this, 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 this," and he goes, "Oh, yeah, I agree with that." <laughs> That's like the only argument I've ever won on Twitter, John. Well, I, 
Well, the one I'm not even to go there. The one go thing ahead. we haven't done yet is explain to the listeners why I was on the playoff playoff the college football playoff selection committee, and that was just that I tweeted a couple of things Friday night late about Alabama and Texas and Florida State and how it should come out, and overnight, overnight Friday night to Saturday morning, my Twitter mentions blew up. I had uh, one of my things was. One of my tweets was simply saying that Alabama is making Alabama's acting like their win over six and six Auburn is so much more impressive than Florida State's double digit win over a ranked ten and two Louisville, and that just that had like fifteen hundred likes and a bajillion views and stuff. And I just say that to say. It got a lot of exposure, and it made all the Bama fans come out of the freaking woodwork. And so I could barely use Twitter Saturday morning because it was just like as fast as I could, you know, look at stuff, it would be backing up, backing up, backing up. And I'm just like, I, oh, my God. So so I kept telling the Alabama people to wrap this up. I kept telling the Alabama people, I'm not on the committee. <laughs> Stop. You don't have to convince me, okay? I'm not one of the voters, but I finally decided apparently, apparently I am, right? Apparently I am a college football playoff committee member because the Alabama fans have decided it thus. So that was what we were talking about. All right. Anything else about the, the, the nightmare disaster scenario of the college football playoff? Again, I'm not a conspiracy theory person, right? But... If you were a corporation that paid billions of dollars to get the playoff, yeah, which outcome would you want? Yeah, no, that's true. I hate it for Florida State, and and that's possibly the worst thing of all. Yes. Is not just you, that Alabama. Yes, we, yes, not just did Alabama get something they didn't deserve. We had to be feeling sympathy for Florida freaking State. Are you kidding me? I can't stand them. They're on my crap list of like the five programs I hate the most. They are, and uh, people do not appreciate this. I, they're number three for me behind Georgia and Alabama. They're mm-hmm. the biggest non-conference team I hate the most. Yes. And this is not a 2013 thing. I no. hated them for decades before 2013 happened. Yes, absolutely. And unless you've been stuck in a stadium with them for four hours listening to that stupid chant, you have no concept what I'm talking yeah. about. They came into our stadium when I was a freshman in 87 and routed oh, us. God. And we had to listen to that stupid chant for hours. And I got stuck in the Sugar Bowl with them mm-hmm. when Dion intercepted a pass and taunted the entire Auburn sideline right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I hate those guys. I, so, I was, I was, I was at the first one, '87, and I was at the road game in '89 that you were not at, and I had to have them scream. And I had bronchitis. I sounded like I do now, and had them running around us doing the thing around us as we were trying to go out to the car, and nearly got killed by their broken crap stadium seats that came up that broke and then we got the glorious retribution in 1990 that's right and we chopped back at them for 10 minutes you made the key point here which is this was a positive thing for alabama Mm -hmm. and made me feel an ounce of sympathy for florida state which i'm really (sighs) angry about like i hate those guys and so you make i'm having to say nice things about them and defend them because they were the wronged party and (sighs) that just galls me it's absolutely and the, yeah, and and the funny thing, 
when we hired Terry Bowden in 93, remember there was like a five-year period where we kind of like felt like Florida State was our cousin program. And we're like, okay, well, we, we can put let bygones be bygones. You know, we'll be buddy with Florida State, with Diddy. And remember, when, as the first thing that you and I said when Terry got fired was, now we can go back to hating Florida State again. It was liberating. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> free at last, free at last. And we canceled that game, too, because we, let- we were not about to walk down there and get smacked. No. Let the hate flow. <laughs> Open the gates of hate again. Oh, it's so good. All right. Auburn is going to the Music City Bowl to play Maryland. I got to say... This is a positive all the way around, right? It's a better bowl than we probably deserve. It's not the Birmingham Bowl. Every freaking bammer in 15 counties was was tweeting me, enjoy the Birmingham Bowl. <laughs> Birmingham Bowl favorites. <laughs> well, guess what? We ain't in the Birmingham Bowl, which I said, by the way, we just wrote a book about how Alabama sued Auburn to force us to play in their beloved Birmingham Stadium. So what's so bad suddenly about playing in Birmingham that they were determined that we would play there? But anyway, um, this for me is great all around. It's it's not Memphis. It's not the food that I'm going to – but I got tickets already. I stayed on their mailing list since 2018 just in case this happened again. Didn't think it would be this fast. And um, Maryland is not a team we've played in a bowl game ever, I don't think. And not a team we played recently. No, no. Uh – 40 years ago? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's horrifying. 40 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday, John. That's terrifying. Boomer Esiason's Maryland, which was a part of the 1983 schedule gauntlet. Oh, gosh. The hardest Tell schedule. Tell everybody who else we played in Yeah. Well, first, here's the funny thing. For years, we've been able to say we played, you know, We've been able to say the, the the like lesser out of conference opponent that season was Maryland, and people go, "Oh, Maryland!" You go, "Boomer is Eisen's Maryland." But here's the thing: today, forty years later, I'm not sure people know who Boomer is Eisen was anymore. He's still on TV talking about NFL games. So. Is he? So okay. Well, he was a great college quarterback. He was a great was NFL awful. quarterback, and. He had a great game against us, but we had a secret weapon, which was Tommy Agee, which we'll get to in a second. But, yeah, yeah, that 83 team, we played Texas at home, which was the one we lost and kept us out of all the national championships, just one. Um, we, had, we had the other out-of-conference was Maryland um, and Florida State. So I think we had, we had Texas, Florida State, and Boomer Zizens, Maryland as our out-of-conference opponents that year. And then, of course – Florida was an NFL team, at least on defense, and they had great running backs. Georgia was coming off of three SEC championships and a national championship with Herschel. Well, they didn't have Herschel in 83. That was the first year without him, but everything else was top-notch on that Georgia team. And mm-hmm. in Athens, in Athens, Alabama in Birmingham during a tornado. Um, there were other games that year I'm not even thinking. Oh, in Tennessee, of course, in Knoxville. That that schedule was insane. But, I, um a few years ago, Bill Connolly, and who now works for ESPN, did a thing where I think he ranked that as what the hardest schedule ever by a college team. Yeah, and we won every game but the Texas game. Yeah, and got jumped by Miami after the bowl game, which is the greatest injustice up until the one the other day. So um, I got a little story, but yeah, I got I got tickets 
We're going to go to the Music City Bowl, see us play Maryland. What do you think about Maryland? I want to ask you about that first. I mean, I, what are your first thoughts? First of all, it's still weird to me that they're a Big Ten team, right? Yes. In my uh, brain. They are ACC 100%. Yeah, in my brain, I always think Maryland ACC team. I link them with North Carolina and Virginia and stuff. Basketball, um, especially, yeah. Yes, so it's very weird that they're a Big Ten team. Uh, you know, coached by Mike Loxley, who got the you know, job after doing the Nick Saban rehab tour stuff, and uh, Tua's younger brother Talia Tagovailoa is the quarterback. They're, he's pretty good, but he's not as good as his older brother. But he's a good. He's a good college quarterback. He's you know he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, they and Loxley is a good recruiter, so they recruited well uh, for a you know Maryland team in the Big Ten. Um, but they're in the Big Ten East, right? So they're in the same division with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Good luck. Which means you know you're fighting for fourth every year. Um, so you know they've they've been competitive. Their offense has occasionally been good, um, but. You know, I think uh, I looked at like the advanced stat power rankings, SP plus and stuff before this, and they're very close to Auburn. So I think it's going to be uh, everything I've seen. It's going to be a very close, competitive game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the I two teams are pretty equal, and so it's really about who we know this from other bowl games. Who's motivated to play, and who's you know has some key players that, that opt out or sit out or get hurt or whatever. So those two things are going to determine what happens. But is it you know are the teams do they want to be there? Are they excited? <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm just going to say, stay tuned later when we talk about the Orange Bowl. Okay. <laughs> Motivation to play. Not a lot to be found in the Orange Bowl this year. We'll get to that. And I think Auburn could be motivated. Cam Stutz tweeted today, first bowl game I've, I've been to, whatever. Oh, wow, so, yeah. I mean. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, well, we haven't won a bowl game since was it the 18 Purdue game I was at Purdue the last time game. yeah last time I was I was there so I'll bring that I'll bring some of that luck maybe um maybe maybe Santa Boris will accompany us down there and we'll um get a little good luck from him um but yeah that was a great game man we just blew Purdue out one side and down the other it was fantastic that was so good um but um yeah, that, that 83 game, a couple of things about it, and then I got something else to say. <clears throat> Weird thing about that game was <clears throat> we had um, we had Bo Jackson, Brent Fullwood, Tim Jesse, Collis Campbell. We had a bunch of good running backs on that team. Everybody remembers Bo, but we had – and Lionel James. How do I forget Lionel James because that was his senior year. I mean, we had a ton of good running backs on that team. But um, the fullback was a freshman, Tommy Agee. And Maryland so was set up to stop the halfbacks in the wishbone that Randy Campbell just kept leaving it with A.G. up the middle. You know how the wishbone works. I'm sure most people do. But for those that don't, you got a fullback right behind the quarterback down in the three-point stance, and then you got the two halfbacks behind the fullback on either side. So traditionally, the triple option means the quarterback's first option is to give the ball to the fullback, and it's a quick hitter. It's like you snap the ball, and immediately the fullback is right there to take the, take the, the handoff and dive. And usually the fullback dive part of the triple option results in about a two-yard gain. It's what you'd use on, like, fourth and one maybe or something. It's not your bread-and-butter play, the fullback dive, right? It's not going to – if you took any – 
if you took 99% of all wishbone offense games, the fullback dive probably ac- accounted for about 15 yards at most. Probably 10 to 15. Very tough up the middle, right into the nose guard on the defensive front, right? He's not getting much. It's the tough short yardage. If the quarterback doesn't give it the fullback, he either runs down the line himself and looks for a crease to dive, quarterback keeper, or he can pitch it to one of the halfbacks kind of trailing behind him, and the other one can be a blocker or something like that. Well, in this game, they were so overplaying Bo and whoever the other halfback, oh, Lionel, Bo and Lionel probably, they were so corralling them that Randy Campbell just starts leaving it with Tommy Agee every other play and A.G. went for over 200 yards at fullback. I've never seen a game where a triple option fullback got 100 yards, much less 200. But he dominated in that game. He, he ate him up. So that's the last time we played Maryland. It was not a home-and-home home deal. It was a one-shot for some reason, right? I don't remember us ever playing. Very weird. Yeah. I don't know how it even came out. Now, let me tell you my quick story from that. And I, I found out later, I don't think it was that game because this was too early, but that was kind of in the um, – I mentioned this in We Believed, I think. This is um, – A.G. was still around in, through the rest of Bo's career, and then he blocked for Fullwood in 86. So very quickly, there were the two guys in Birmingham on the radio, Mark and Brian, and they would do that song. They would do like the Bo song, Bo, 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 my Bo, my, you know. Um, and they'd have one of them would imitate Bo, but it didn't sound anything like Bo. It was very insulting. But um, they got to be those two guys got to be so big on 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 Birmingham radio that they end up going to Los Angeles and they became like the number one radio guys in L.A. Because remember, Bo ended up on the Raiders, and they just basically went out there too and made fun of Bo when he was on the Raiders, as far as I know. And they became like this. They've, they're in the they're in the Radio Hall of Fame now, and they have a walk. They have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. These two knuckleheads that were on Birmingham radio making fun of Bo Jackson, <laughs> or have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame now. They actually, I have a. You can go on YouTube and see them talking to Jay Leno on the Tonight Show, and they had an NBC TV show for one year, 1991-92, I think it was. Good they had, golly. Yeah, and get this, Brian Brian Phelps was from up here in Illinois somewhere. But Mark Thompson, Mark, Mark Thompson was from Florence, Alabama. And when I was in high school, we did some kind of a function at one of the state parks. And he was the MC in his little, like, prom tuxedo. So I met Mark Thompson when he was doing anything they'd give him 10 bucks to do with a microphone. And he goes on to be a TV guy, radio legend, radio hall of fame, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's just kind of mind-blowing, and it all went back to him talking about, well, the, the AG con- this was the AG connection, which is why it makes me think of it, is that he, there was a game, and afterward he, and they, they do their little bit, and they're saying, um, um, they're like Bo, they're talk- like they're pretending to talk to Bo, and they're like, Bo, the, the crowd didn't like you this week. And he's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, the crowd was chanting AG, AG. And he's like, no, no, that's A.G. for always great, always great Bo Jackson. You're welcome. (laughs) So that was their whole. And so I just always associate Tommy A.G. with those two guys. And it brings out that whole that whole terrible story, which I'm sorry I told. So there you go. (laughs) It was interesting. Yeah. We're not playing Wisconsin or Northwestern. That's the greatest thing about all this. Amen. Yeah. Don't need them again. 
And but the, here's the thing: the thing about playing, um, the thing about playing a team like Maryland is it's a trap because if you beat them, nobody cares. How huh? they beat Maryland? Whoop de do. If you lose to them, you lost to Maryland. <laughs> so. It's really a no-win scenario, isn't it? You know, but I think winning is the winning is the winning scenario. But besides that, it's the Kobayashi Maru of bowl games. It is. We got to reprogram the bowl. Oh, I wish I could reprogram the whole bowl thing completely. No doubt. All right. Um, the last thing I wanted to say about the bowl game, we touched on this before, but what do you think were the key moments? Two or three moments in the season that got us into this nice bowl game. I think that the number one thing was that touchdown against Cal. Fair weather. Yeah. yeah. Cal's a bowl team, too. So we did beat at least one bowl team. I think it may be just one, but we did beat yeah. one, yeah. No, I think that's absolutely a key moment. I think we, you know, the team rallied, drove down the field, made plays with the passing game, hadn't worked all game, but they – came through on a couple of throws right then and got us down the field to score, I think that was a big moment. And um, at the time, you and I said, we're not going to – we're going to – we need to remember how big this was. I mean, we talked about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And, but you're right. In hindsight, it is the, the tipping point because mm-hmm. the other games we won weren't that close, right? No, I mean, right. Yeah. There weren't any last-minute kicks or anything in games that we won. Well, you you can't point to anything in the Arkansas game because we blew doors. I mean, I th- um, but I think that that kick return early in the game really kind of yeah knocked that open. I mean, I think um, maybe one of the long runs in the Vanderbilt game, Mississippi yeah. State game early. Well, that's just it. Is the the games that we won were pretty much except for Cal were pretty much we won. I, the other one I'm going to say it was a big, even though it wasn't in a win was Peyton Thorne's run early in the Georgia game. You're right. It set because the tone. I just think like that set a tone like we're not going down easy. Mm-hmm. We have a few things for you in this game. That's we're gonna a good make point. some plays and our hopes. And and that just gave the crowd and him, I think, an enormous amount of confidence. I still can't fathom that we came closer to beating Georgia and Alabama by far than we did North New Mexico State. Yep. Thanks for you, bringing that up. Though. Yeah, and did you see that we actually have New Mexico, New Mexico, not New Mexico State, on the schedule for next year? I did. And did you see who possibly could be their coach? Yes. <laughs> There's a rumor that New Mexico is looking for a head coach. There is a rumor that one of the candidates for that coaching job is Potatoes. Now, how much would you pay <laughs> to have him go into – Jordan Hare Stadium coaching New Mexico next year. Just, and what would the, what would the crowd reaction be like when he was introduced? Well, the oh god. <laughs> well, I gotta say it's not gonna be played in New Mexico. I'm sure it's not a home. You know they they made fun of us for paying how much ever money to New Mexico yeah. State, but the upside of that is we don't have to go play at New Mexico State. And I'm not sure there aren't some SEC programs that wouldn't have done it. We've talked about them again. Alabama played at South Florida. The shame. Well, Missouri's messed around with that kind of stuff. We had to take them aside and go, son, you're in the SEC now. We don't go to Toledo, okay? We don't do that. You need to rethink that, okay? I mean, Auburn used to pay Mississippi State so we wouldn't have to go to Starkville. 
We played Mississippi State in Auburn every year there for a while. I'm talking in the 80s. I'm not talking about in the 30s. I'm talking about the 80s. Pat Dye had Mississippi State come to Auburn every year there for a little while, which is shows you where the relative state of the programs were back then. That's when I say Southern Miss was a better program than Ole Miss or Mississippi State back then. Well, but also it just showed you what the SEC got, let teams get away with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, the SEC used to let Alabama play more conference games than Auburn so that when they lost one, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't hurt them, which still burns me up. We, that's in the book, too. You know, There's a book update coming in a little bit. All right, so that's Maryland. We'll see. We'll, I guess we'll probably break that game down a little bit more once we get closer yeah, to we'll, it. Yeah, right? we'll do a, a deeper dive as we get closer. Yeah. All right, meanwhile... Uh, what's also going on right now is recruiting and tonight's forecast a freeze is coming frosty so what's the uh, what's the situation looking like with recruiting and the portal so we'll go recruiting first. The big news Friday late afternoon was Auburn got a commit from a flip from Texas A&M five-star wide receiver Cam Coleman. Yeah! Those the music is appropriate. Um, <laughs> with with that commitment, Auburn jumped to eleventh in the rankings. Oh and my God! Um, and on average player ranking, we're fifth in the country. Um, we're 11th, and only one team ahead of us has the same number of commitments as we do, and that's Florida. Everybody else, we have 19 commitments. Most of the other teams ahead of us have 23 to 27. So and I say up, you! Picking up, you know, even three or four-star players are going to move us up the ranks at this point. God bless it! So a top 10 recruiting class is very likely to happen. And you know this staff pulled some big flips at the end last year, so they, they may not be done with that. And yeah, it's not Cam, over. No, it's not over. Uh, signing days again. we got 16 days till National Signing Day in the, for December. Uh, they're not done. But Kim Coleman is an absolute stud. Uh, he's got he's a consensus five star wide receiver. He's a top ten player in the country, not a receiver of all players at all positions. Um, his high school coach is Patrick Nix, and Patrick Nix compared this guy to Calvin Johnson. Mm. Okay, uh, Jason mm. Caldwell, uh, who's seen a lot of high school players in Alabama, compared him to AJ Green at, at when he was at Georgia. That seems promising. Yes, he, the, he tore uh, us up a couple of times. I, I don't want to ever. I think compared to somebody, Calvin Johnson is you know you're setting yourself up for failure. But I like the AJ Green comparison: tall, explosive, mm-hmm. fast, and could go get the ball in traffic. And that's his best attribute: is a guy that goes and gets the ball and makes the tough catches, even when he's double covered, even when the ball isn't right in the right place. He goes and gets it. Um, a lot of their offense for a lot of the year was just okay. Put him the other receivers on the other side put him on one side by himself they get down to the 10 yard line he just runs a fade you just throw it he's gonna go get it the other guy (laughs) 
And he's not playing like this isn't one of these like, oh, he's raw because he's playing against some low level competition. He's playing at the highest level of mm-hmm. high school competition in Alabama, and he is dominating good teams and they're double teaming him. So good. I, as long as we hang, can hang on to him, and it's not long now, right? I mean, when's mm-hmm. signing day is coming up? We It's just 20th. a matter of December 20th? December 20th. We got 16 days. <sighs> It's in the crunch time. Yeah. I love it. I mean, think how big a deal it would have been, though, if he'd waited and flipped on signing day. I, I know, but I, listen, I, I, I want it because I think it's going to – it's creating momentum. No, right. I no, I, it, it has benefits beyond just him signing, and if he waited until signing day, it wouldn't have had the same effect possibly. I understand that. <laughs> but still, it still just makes me think, man, just imagine ah, what the talk would have been, you know. Mm. But it's huge. I mean, it's he's going to be the – if he signs with Auburn, he will be the highest-rated offensive signee ever. Ever. Brace yourself as the beat hits you. Dip chip, Fantasia. I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. That, that was that song was my brain on Friday afternoon when this news came. Out. <laughs> All, All right, right. we're we gonna move on to and a bunch of other good players are you know set to make decisions over the next few weeks. So we got some other guys out there we're really close on. I think <clears throat> got a few departures. Yep. So the the portal opened formally this morning. You've heard players announcing they're gonna go to the portal, but the portal did not actually open until this morning. And we have uh, two defensive linemen and two wide receivers have already entered. Uh, NC Sledge and Steven Johnson are in the portal, and Jair Shorter and Omari Kelly are in the portal. Somebody was asking me about uh, Omari Kelly, and I don't remember who it was, but they were saying that he it was unfortunate because he was a really he really loves Auburn. But I don't know. I guess just the re- receivers are seeing the handwriting on the wall, right? Sure. No, I think. If you didn't get playing time this year, <laughs> it's not going to get better. You know, why did you think you're going to? It's going to be different. So, yeah, um, I think that's the deal. You had a chance to impress the coaching staff this year and go make plays and 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 show you could do stuff. And I think it didn't happen. So I think there's going to be more departures. I think a couple more receivers are going to leave. I'm going to be stunned if we don't lose at least one quarterback. Yes. Um, well. I think we know which one is probably going to leave, but what do you think about um, Gurner? He might stay. It's possible. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how he feels about you know the situation. And I think if he stays, he you know here's the other thing though: is Auburn going to go get a quarterback? Right? right, right. If Auburn goes and gets a big name quarterback or even a you know, a talented, experienced quarterback from somewhere else, and has that person compete with Peyton Thorne? Where does that put Gardner? Like, they, he could compete, but mm-hmm. he couldn't beat Thorne when Thorne didn't know the offense. Yeah, exactly. Gardner to me is—I mean, he's best suited for uh, an offense like Potato ran, and so you know, you just kind of stand back there and yeah. throw the ball, which is not what this offense is. So he's yeah. just kind of a square peg in a round hole. And the question is, does he think he'll be able to fit in that? you know, square peg in that round hole at all. Um, but we'll have Walker White as a freshman, but we'll have him. We have the guy, the the kid that I can't ever think of his name, that's kind of hanging around the fringes that doesn't get a lot of talk, but he's there. He is a warm body. Hank Brown. Hank Brown, yeah. And we got Thorne probably. So 
And I would, you know, you never know about Robbie. He could. I don't know. I can't imagine that he's. Surely, Robbie, you want to go also, somewhere. Also, I can't imagine that if we took, if we went down and got a quarterback, I can't imagine all of them would want to stay, or that the coaches would want all of them to stay. Right. It's almost right. too many. No, it is. I and honestly, I mean, again, Robbie's done some great stuff for us. Can never stop praising him for the A and M game with Cadillac last year, in in particular. He just has not had a good twenty twenty three. It was never good for him from start to finish. The things that this is what's been really frustrating for Robbie, especially the second half of this season, is that the things he does best, defenses took away. And Thorne did much better than him most of the season, right? If the idea is Thorne's the passer and Robbie's the rusher, Thorne outrushed him like a thousand to nothing over the second half of the season. He didn't get Robbie didn't get anything running the ball in the second half of the season. I don't. I certainly don't remember it. But I mean, but part of it was I think you know he didn't have the full offense, right? Thorne ran the full offense and Robbie ran. A limited package of points. Yes, that's true. That's true. That was always the case. So, um, yes, that's fair. I was looking to see how many carries the two of them got. Um, well, Robbie barely played in a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. Robbie had 46 carries. For the season. For the season. And Peyton I guarantee Thorne, you 30 of those were before the sixth game. Agree. Peyton Thorne had 125 carries. There you go. And Thorne was more effective at it. Yes. He just was. I'm sorry. Yeah, especially. Let's, I'm going to look at something else. So we'll see about quarterback. I I also kind of have the feeling that the departures we're seeing are not like, oh, no, please stay. Please don't go. I get the feeling they're more like, son, good luck in the future, you know. Oh, I, well, I was one other thing. Talking about Robbie before we change the subject. I'm sorry. My bad. Talking about Robbie, don't you think Robbie would be told something like, why don't you check out Jacksonville State or why don't you check out Arkansas State or something, you know? That just True. seems to me like he'd do better there. Yes. I mean, I think it's I, – I think he wants – again, all players want to play. And I'm sure Robbie wants to go somewhere he's going to start. I don't think he's going to start at Auburn. I think there's no. 0% chance that's going to happen. So I, no. I, be, I believe he's going to enter the transfer portal and go to, like you said, a G5 or smaller school where he can start. And, so and I hope he does great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're right. And I've always, I want to be honest about this. I've always had a problem with kind of the Nick Saban, we're processing players out kind yeah. of thing. But that is what we are doing at Auburn at this stage. It, it is it's been roster, a long time since we've been well, in that situation. But roster optimization or whatever is part of the deal now, where if players don't want to be there, if they don't feel they're playing, if they don't, if you don't think they're working out in the system, but also we've changed coaches a couple times. And so some of these players were recruited to play different schemes and stuff. And then they should go play somewhere where they fit better in the system. Uh, I think Steven Sings entered the portal today too. The Liberty guy who was the end, who didn't play a whole lot the second half of the season. So, hmm. um, so, the, you know, they, it's, it's, um, these guys were decent recruits when we got them, but you know, um, they didn't get to play any, and I think we got better players coming in behind them. Well, so I, on the other side of the portal, who do you? Th- what positions do you think Auburn should prioritize? So I'm going to give you some choices, okay? Mm-hmm. Quarterback, a really talented, like experienced wide receiver, an offensive tackle, or a defensive lineman, pass rusher type. I mean, 
we always want offensive linemen, but I feel like what we really needed this year was pass rush, somebody that can disrupt. I mean, I feel like we would have won the Iron Bowl if we had that. And we have our one guy from Appalachian State who's solid, mm-hmm. but he's not you know, you an All-American, and he's one guy. Right. And we need more. Yes. Well, I mean, if you think about the great Auburn defensive lines, even in years that we didn't have undefeated teams or whatever, our best teams were the years that we had a dominating defensive line. Yep. I mean, you know, Cam was incredible, but Nick Fairley and the guys around him were huge on that 2010 team, especially since we didn't have a defensive backfield. <laughs> they just had to – our defense, our pass coverage was crush the quarterback before he can throw it, and, it, you know, if he could throw it, they scored, and if not, we killed him. And we did kill a couple of them that year. But, yeah, so – I would say pass rush. What do you say? Yeah, I think so. I, it's going to be very interesting to me. Like I've seen Auburn linked to some top quarterbacks, but the mm. quarterback market is insane. Okay, I'm talking about the there money. Num- well, I'm talking about the players and the movement. If you yeah. did, if nobody was paying attention today, Ohio State and Oklahoma, their starting quarterbacks both left today. Yeah, they had st- they had quarterbacks that started all season, and both those players entered the transfer portal today. The guy at uh, Gabriel, the guy at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. is good. Okay, he's gonna go He may go to Southern Cal and be the starting quarterback of Southern Cal. All right, but Southern Cal needs a quarterback. Notre Dame needs a quarterback. Ohio State needs a quarterback. Oklahoma needs a quarterback. Oregon needs a quarterback. Uh, didn't Didn't Kenny Gabriel play for Gus at Central Florida last year? Yeah. Not, not this past year, no. but a year ago. Yes, and then he went to Oklahoma. And now he's he did really well. Did real well at Oklahoma. Yeah, he, he was excellent at Oklahoma. He tried to, had some challenges staying healthy in his career, I think, but a very talented player. But like the guy at Washington State is excellent. He was in Incarnate Word to start his career. He's a really, really good player. He's going to go to one of these. I, I mean, I think before Ohio State and Oklahoma got involved, there was some buzz that Auburn might have a shot with him. The, the Duke quarterbacks out there, Grayson McCall graduated and is a graduate transfer, so there's no more academic stuff with him. Where's he from? Uh, uh, Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, the guy we almost got last year. Oh, right. Yes. He's out there. Uh, Georgia had a five-star backup quarterback, uh, Vandergraff, whatever that kid's name is, Brock Vandergriff, whatever. Enter the portal today, uh, and UCLA <laughs> he, had. He a, entered the a, portal uh, of international banking with that name. Well, Come on. Well, it's, okay, this is funny. The quarterback that transferred from Notre Dame to Alabama that competed with Milrow to be the starter and that played in that South Southern Florida game mm-hmm. that they played so poorly in, he entered the transfer portal today as a lacrosse player. <laughs> uh, what to? What the hell is the world coming to? Exactly. Well, um, I think that is just the way football is now. Players are just going to move around, move around, and the more successful the programs, the more players are going to move around. But I, part of me feels like I would be okay with Thorne, right? But the other part of me feels like if we could get somebody better than Thorne. Well, the Coastal, Car- the Coastal Carolina guy basically is Thorne, right? Maybe a little more accurate, a little he's, bigger, he's more better. successful. But he's, but he's the same He's kind yes. of a tall, lanky guy that can run the way Thorne runs and and throw the ball. So it would be a fit to what we're doing, right? Just maybe a more talented, perhaps more effective version of what we already have. Yeah. Yes, I agree. 
I don't think Peyton Thorne was our first choice when we were not to no, denigrate I, Thorne, and I hope he does a great in the bowl game. But I don't think he was our. What do you think the, our, the chances are he sticks around another year? I mean, he likes it, right? Thorne? And he feels like he was. Yeah, he feel like he's getting better. Certainly, well, I mean, you. He cannot fault Hugh Freeze no. for not giving him the opportunity. No, and I think, again, I think Thorne showed a toughness down the stretch and a playmaking ability that. You know, made the team respect him and value him. I think so. I yeah. think now, from Thorne's perspective, what if Auburn brings in one of these top ten in the country quarterbacks, um, Cameron Ward from Washington State? Well, would you stick around then and battle them? The word was that he expects that to happen, and he's prepared yeah. for it. That's the word yeah. on the street. But you know, me and the street, we're not that close. So. But that's what I've heard is that he's expecting them to bring somebody in. He's he's prepared for it. He's okay with it. He understands. You can't. I mean, it's one thing to say we're not going to yank you out the first time you mess up and put Robbie uh, Ashford in. It's another to say we're not even going to bring anybody to compete with you. Just go out there and right. do the same thing. We, we, yeah, we feel so good about your performance that we think yeah. we'll be fine next year, yeah. uh, and we and we, there shouldn't be any competition. Plus, he took some shots. You know, I mean, I kept thinking all season he wasn't going to get up from one of those. He was tougher than I think people realize. And again, he got better as the year went along, but there were also stretches where it wasn't pretty. That's true. Where it was painful and we could not throw the football. And so that makes me think go get somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, All right. The basketball. Um, yeah, talk about a, a, a mixed bag. Um, and March Madness, let's shock the world. Well, to get to March Madness, Charles, we're going to have to do a lot better than what we're doing right now because we started out, all right, we played a good three quarters of the game against Baylor and then lost it at the end. Went on a nice winning streak against some teams that we should have. Okay, that's fine. Beat Virginia Tech in Auburn. Good, solid performance. Complete game all the way around, except for the the dangerous light was flashing in that Virginia Tech game, which was that we won, but our shooting, our three-point shooting was bad. And it only got worse against Appalachian State. The the shooting, the three-point shooting was like, what, three for 27 or something? Just abominable? So, I mean, when you looked at that game against Appalachian State, what did you think? What was your reaction? I was just depressed, mostly just depressed. Uh, I mean, we lost by five in a game where, like you said, we shot three from 27 for three, and we mm-hmm. missed 10 free throws. Ugh. And we lost by five points, okay? So I think the reason we beat Virginia Tech and some of these other teams is the defense has started to come along. We were creating a lot of turnovers and getting easy baskets against Appalachian State, they only turned it over like six times. So we yeah. didn't get a bunch of easy baskets, mm-hmm. and therefore we had to earn the offense more. And the, and I think basically everybody except Broom had a bad shooting night. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Holloway, Denver Jones, Chad Baker, Mazzara, bad days, yeah. right? It, it did not go well. And I think I, I am not pressing the panic button here. Oh, no, I think no. it was a, a tough road environment. And we're in a shooting slump, but I think this team is better than that. And I think the coaches will figure out how to do this. And one of the things is like, you know, here's phrases we've said on this podcast a hundred times in the last four years. Probably should get Jalen Williams the ball a little bit more. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Uh, I think he didn't miss a shot, three for three or four for four or whatever. But that's all the but touches he got where everybody else was pulling up and cranking uh, from 35 feet away. I just, the chuck and duck, we've done it for three years now, and it, at least, at least. It's like they think, uh, they think that, that um, Bryce Brown is still on the team. They all think well, they're they Bryce all, Brown. They think they are Bryce Brown. Yeah, and they're but, not. Memo, they're not. Stop. No. And, and you're right. We need better ball movement a lot. Uh, it's dangerous when you make one pass and that guy's like, well, I'm not going to pass it because I might not get the ball back, so I better shoot this. Shoot it, yeah. But the other thing, we had some shots where the guys were good shooters and they were wide open and they should take those shots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, teams have figured out where our best shooters like it on the floor and they're not going to let them get it in that spot. So then you have to be prepared to shoot it from your you know, your third favorite spot or whatever, and make that shot. And, you know, I think we got to work on that. The free throw thing is what kills me. Like, we started out the year and everybody shot free throws much better. Yes. We cannot play competent teams and and miss more than half our free throws. Well, that's what I wanted to say is that part of the reason we had such a bad free throw shooting night is that Janiah Broom was doing a lot of the free throw shooting, and he's not been doing – he, I didn't realize he was as good of a free throw shooter last year as he was, but he actually had a fairly decent for, especially he for did. a big center. And he, in the first, in the Baylor game, I think he was like eight for nine or whatever. But. Yeah, but ever since then, he's just been terrible. And then there's the other thing where he now thinks he has to shoot three pointers all the time. And I, well, at I, least, at least he he missed three and stopped. Yeah. We the got a guy that thing. they they could not stop him in the lane under yeah. the basket, and so what does he do? He's shooting three pointers, and well, he's this, doing it because the NBA told him he needed to. And I'm like, you're actively hurting the team. Just show that you can do the basics, like putting the ball in in the in the blocks, you know, before you go out and work on your three point game. Here, man, come on, make some free throws. I, yeah, this is the point I was making about Jan Williams is. We need to stop in those kind of games. We need to stop shooting three pointers and get the ball to Broom and Jay Williams, right? Yeah. And let them continue to eat, and then it'll open everything up. The other thing that happened in this game is, you know, Katie Johnson got a technical foul at the end of the Virginia Tech game for going up, you know, going crazy, and he had to miss the first half of this game. And the other team's guards scored a bunch of points in the first half because he wasn't out there. So his behavior at the end of the Virginia Tech game hurt this team and caused us to you know to have, be at a problem in this game and not have him. We had to play freaking Berman uh, behind Denver Jones as shooting guard in this game, and we also had to play the two point guards together, which didn't go great. So um, yeah, that was he, weird to see the two point guards out there together, and I don't think that it really necessarily did anything. And it's. And and Trey Donaldson's having a better season so far than Aiden Holloway. Now again, Aiden Holloway's a freshman, and Trey's had some time to, you know, work in and get some experience and everything. But Aiden had a really good start to the season. He hasn't been good the last couple of games. In fact, I don't think he's made a shot the last two games. Certainly not a three pointer. I think he's really pressing, and I think he sometimes he I think he feels that pressure. Like I'm a star. I'm supposed to make baskets to help my team here. I got to put one up when it's. Or, and he had one in the second half when everybody in the team was like, "Yes, from like half court." That? Yeah, we're like, there was, was no there was no clock issue or anything. He just shot it from there, and they were getting the rebounds. Oh, the one thing I did want to give him credit for was about halfway through the second half against Appalachian State, 
when they'd been Appalachian, they were they were they'd finally Auburn had finally found some offense, right? We were working it in there to, to Broom. He was taking it to the hole. We were getting two points every time we went down the court, and then they'd come down and get two or three every time. And so we weren't actually making any headway. And so we went to a zone defense, and we shut them down offensively until almost the end. Yes. And that was when we pulled it to like three. And we had it at three for a long time, and then we couldn't get over the hump. And it's one of those things where, you know, when you make your run – and you get right up to the other team, and then you fall back. Yeah, we got right up to them, and we couldn't ever get over the hump. And then they made a three, and you're like, Ugh. and we, like you said, we still came back and pulled it within like five at the end. But just not being able to quite get over that last hump to take the lead there was so that just was gutting. Yeah, it was. It was tough. So, tough one. All right, but also well, like, yeah. It, in the big, this is the other thing I want everybody to think about. In the big picture of the NCAA tournament and stuff, this game is not going to hurt us. And the, in the, the, you know, the the advanced uh, the net rankings that they use for the NCAA tournament stuff, this is a top 100 team in the country. So this game is not going to hurt us in the same way that if you lose to a really bad team, it actually hurts you in the power rankings. So we'll we'll be fine in the long run, but. You're right. We got to fix some of these shooting woes and stuff. We're gonna have real problems. Right now, we are a middle pack SEC team, and I feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, if this is what they are, fine. But I feel like they're better than that. I feel like they. Oh, have I the feel po- like they're way better than that. Yeah, yes. they have the potential to be a really good team. You just got to get more than one part working at the same time. That's right. They have ten good players. We need three or four playing. Yeah. Well, on any given night, we could beat anybody, and we had one playing well on Sunday, one and a half, maybe Donaldson. So, so Saturday afternoon, Indiana in Atlanta, that'll be cool. Yeah, two p.m. Eastern, ESPN two, uh, Indiana. You know, basketball powerhouse. I'd enjoy traditional team. Oh. I'd enjoy beating them. Revenge for nineteen eighty seven. That's it. Revenge for Bob Knight kicking the stupid chair. Uh, we owe them. So I'm, I'm in for this. I'm like to take it to Indiana. You can you can get the full story if you get Auburn basketball from Barkley to Bruce by yours truly and John Ringer. In that book, go to the eight, 1987 chapter and go to the close to the end and it we go through the entire game and there's comments from Sonny, there's comments from the players, probably Chris Morris, I think. Um um uh who was the one? Who Frank was our Ford. Yeah, but but who was our play? Michael Donald, Michael Michael Jones Jones. Yeah, yeah, a little bit from Michael Jones. Michael Jones was going off on Indiana in that game. That was going to be his career game right there. And then foul, foul, foul. The referees just got scared of Bobby Knight and started calling a foul on everything. They call like five fouls in thirty seconds on us, and the whole game changed. Yep. So that whole story is in the book. It's all in the book. All right. So, speaking of speaking which, of books, yeah. So, first time ever, how Auburn brought undefeated Alabama to Jordan Hare Stadium for the first time and beat them is the. It was on Kickstarter. We did about 150 units business. They've all been shipped out now, except for a few stragglers I don't have the address for. Praise the Lord, those are gone. That was a whole lot of wrapping. I was seeing mailing labels. Labels, my John, my um, the the printum and stickum mailing uh, adhesive mailing labels arrived the day after 
I had finished packaging about 95% of the books. I was so mad. So I got to use those great, just print them and stick them labels on like 10 books. Uh, all the others had to cut out little paper things and tape them on. It was frustrating as heck. But anyway, that's the book. That, so that'll be out in, on Amazon, in bookstores, in the new year sometime. But the ones that were signed by John and me, the hardcovers and all that, they've gone out now. So other than a handful of people, you should be, if you haven't gotten them already, you should be getting them. We're really looking forward to feedback on that. The book before that I was just talking about was was our book from last year, which was Auburn Basketball from Barkley to Bruce. And we've also sent out quite a few copies of We Believe Volume 1. So that was mailing out some nice big boxes full of books for people. There are going to be some people have some real War Eagle Christmases coming up this year. So that'll be cool. It's exciting. It is. Um, let's see. So thanks to everybody that backed the Kickstarter. And if you didn't get in on it, just know the book will be available pretty soon. And let's see. Uh, how is the... Um, did I? I haven't thanked the patrons. Uh, I've re- where did the pa- where did the thank the patrons go? Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah. Well, let me thank the patrons. This show has no ads other than us talking about things like the book. And so, to continue to not be interrupted by those stupid, annoying ads that pop up in the middle of podcasts, help us out. Just go to www.auwishbone.com. www.auwishbone.com. Let's see if I can get through this with any semblance of a voice. Bearing in mind, I have six hours of lecture tomorrow to do. So here we go. Let me gargle with some. I should let Boris do the. Uh, I think I'm going to let Boris do the uh, do the patrons. <laughs> As if. All right. Let's see. Uh, we have to thank humans such as Samuel Salvatore. Yes, yes. Carl von Drucker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crackham. Logan Chilton says, "Where's these buttons? I have to work the buttons too. This is ridiculous." <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David W.D. Sammons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. Ufanic KSC. You really read all these every time? I do, Boris. Huh. If Carol Shelby would have seen the Florida State fan base on Sunday. <laughs> ah, you know where this is going from, Mark. He would have said. I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. <laughs> Just enjoy it. I like changing the script every week. is really good. All right, Boris, back to you. <laughs> Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, newly minted history PhD candidate, Win Carroll. I like mint. Mint's good with chocolate. Uh, Phil M. Thor says... No! No! No, I'm devastated! I'm devastated! They're celebrating right in front of me! This is the worst! This is the worst! <laughs> I love John's interpretive performances of these every time. Uh, what? So, let's see. Richard Stevens. I'll take up a few. I'm going to do a little bit, Boris. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, Alex Browns, Auburn Footballs, Elvis. Before I... R- oh, before I read the Iron Bowl book, I'm reading a book about sandpaper. It's a work of friction. Ugh. <laughs> Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob, WDE Salmons, Esquire, a.k.a. Uh, 76 Tiger, Sleazy Shyster for Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. It's good that they've got a lawyer. Uh, Boris says, bring back, guess the game. What? what? I did not say that. This is, this is all lies. 
did not say that at all. But I do like it. It's a good show. It's a good, good segment. Jared's cool. Uh, let's see. Calibrating my fun meter in the back booth. Of... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Bobby. Um, oh. Frosty! <laughs> and that was supposed to lead to... I'm going to try that one again. Frosty! There you go. It's a good song. Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B, No, and Fights Like Gaston, Algo Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owens, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, Todd Robinson, Warhammer 6, um, WDE Richie hoping for the Fav Five. What's the Fav Five, John? The Five Michigans. I think it must be referred to signees, right? Like the Fab Five going to Michigan. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, maybe he's thinking about. I I don't know this for a fact, but I suspect some Auburn person has coined the five receivers as the Fab Five, where we have four four committed, right? Mm. Um, Cam oh, Coleman. That, yeah. And, and the three we already had committed, and then the big one that's still out there is Ryan Williams, and he's supposed to reclassify and potentially you know, you be go. open to Fidel. If we got Ryan Williams, too, that would literally be like the best high school recruiting class ever. But Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, Weagle Weagle. Oh, that's my little feathery buddy. Uh, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue. Uh, I'm going to let you take over now again. Uh, <clears throat> Blake Heron. Me, what? Brennan Smith, Corey Smire, David D, David Simpson, Die Bama is locked in the freezer at Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. I, I don't understand that one. I don't know. Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors. <laughs> okay. Pausing the sleaze jokes out of respect for the season. Just know I'm still thinking it. Do they always write these long? Yes, they just just read it, Barth. Philip Mar uh, Philip Martin, not Philip Morris. That's a cigarette. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Wiggle eighty seven, Woody the Jag at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. I had that red Mad Reaper Pepper Company Pepper Reaper the other day. It was very good. Alex Wynn, AU falling up, Ben Amos, Ben Rigus, Charles Mooney, Chris Camo, Chris Braun, Clay Henson. <sighs> I can't do any more. You take over. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, uh, Elizabeth Donald, plus... I, I've rearranged... Oh. And we got to get better at celebrating. There you go. If I was Alabama, I would have won the Pick'em Contest without having the most picks right. Ah. Ah. Please clap. That's very oh, good. Oh. Ow. Yeah, that was good. Inconclusive evidence of a talent gap. What? What? Okay. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Atsuki, John Stubbs, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brett Rains, the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dead for Life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. I like you can hear the frogs in that clip now. The audio is so much better. 
My favorite button on the remote is pause. I am Tiger. Please clap. That's right. New York Tiger did feel 10% better after last week's AU Wishbone podcast. Hey, hey, John, that means we, uh, we succeeded a little bit. We helped at least one person. And if you can't get help somewhere, <laughs> what was the old place? What was it? If you can't get help at <laughs> something, get help somewhere. <laughs> That's the greatest line in commercial history. Anyway, what was it like summit or something? Or if you can't get help at the summit, get help somewhere. I don't remember what it was called. Anyway, Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky. I'm at the bottom of this list because. Why you can, monkey boy? Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brant Rubble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all very much. Go to www.auwishbone.com. And let's see. We don't have... Oh, do we have the SEC Pick'em Contest update? Did we do that already? Or we do just- have an right. update. The contest is over. The winning entry is... Me. It's me. 100%. Boris the Tiger. You're a winner. Thank you very much. Where's my trophy? Other than Boris, the winner is Van's favorite sound clip. Oh, oh, oh! Frosty! There it is. Frosty won, and there'll be a reveal of who that is in Lister emails. Um, Ooh! He, he got 97 right. Bill Miner, who's been right with him all year, got 96. Josh yes. Corbett got 94. Close. Van uh, had a strong second half of the season, finished one game ahead of me. Mm. He got 90 right, and I got 89 right. Uh, mm. So congratulations to, to all the people at the top, Frosty, Bill Miner, Josh Corbett, Eric Morgan, Bo Nose, Barbecue, 96 Pilot used. And uh, I want to thank, the you know again, my favorite entry name, if I had a dollar for every Missouri win, I'd have ten dollars, <laughs> and they'd be happy. Yes, that's it's right. Spectacular. So I've been really, uh, really appreciate that. But I, I, I looked. You could do this thing where you filter like my first half and my second half. And I went back and looked, and over the second half of the season, like the leaders got thirty nine right, you got thirty seven. Mm, so mm. right there. Well, that was fun. That was a that was a that was a long contest. It was a good one, hard fought, and it. Um, and, it, and a lot of people participated. Speaking of which. Oh, yeah. Dancing on a tweet today saying that bowl season is how many days away? Like 12. 12 days away. And what was he doing with this tweet? He was subtweeting me to say, John, go set up the bowl pick him so Boris can humiliate me yes, again. That's yes. what he was saying. Time and to so dominate I again. Will- Boris the Tiger, you're number one. Another bowl pick him champion. So I will get the bowl pick'em set up for patrons probably tomorrow and get the email out. Be looking for an email in your inbox uh, from us to set up the bowl pick'em or we'll probably do it at ESPN again. I think we did it there last year. It was good. So be ready to do that. We're going to pick every bowl pick'em straight up, every bowl game straight up, and the, and the person that picks the most will get undying glory. So, And your chance to lose to a stuffed animal again. And be humiliated by a stuffed Best animal like I was. He does revel in it, I have to admit. Stuffed animal, what's he talking about? All right. And on that note. Coming up. 
We have listener questions, quite a few, I think, and around the SEC. But first, John, it's time for Worst Coaches in the World. I can't yell it too loudly. Playoff Committee Edition. And I only have one entry this week, John, but it is a group entry. Yes, it's the playoff committee themselves that have qualified for the bronze, the silver, and the gold this week by leaving out a 13-0 undefeated conference champion in Florida State and possibly even worse, making us feel bad for Florida State. Alabama lost at home by double digits, and they got in. Florida State didn't lose, and they're out. Even Ohio State had a better argument. How do you jump a team from eight to four? You cheat. That's what you do. Just the last couple of weeks. We talked about it already, so I'll cut it short, but I'll just say there's no question that college football playoff committee, you are this week's, and for most of the season now, In retrospect, the worst committee in the world. There you go. There you go. There they are. Yeah, when the playoff committee walks by now, people just say, There they are. Are they not a shame on their country? Are they not a disgrace? To all civilized beings. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. I think that was a direct quote from the press conference. (laughs) I think it was. I mean, they rolled out their announcement and the entire country, except for Alabama, said, Wrong! So, I mean, you know. I think you're right. I think that's it. That's it. All right. So now, the most awkward transition in podcasting. Thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's time for listener questions. Starring Boris. The AU Wishbone Podcast. Starring Boris. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready to answer your questions, John. Go ahead. All right. After last week's controversy about how many questions were left, I'm going to be very clear about it this week. (laughs) (laughs) That was so funny. John's like, oh, we have a couple left. And then we do like four. There's only a couple left. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I told you there was a lot of email last week. <laughs> that was the, hilarious. We, we have a good number of listener questions this week. We're going to start to with one from Jim McCrory. We're going to be in our third hour, so let's get to it. This is so well. You could just you could take the rest of that off, and Boris can answer these. So yes, I'm planning it, on it. This is from Jim McCrory's comments about the game in the book. He says, "Van and John, well, and Boris, we're going to." We're going to win some Iron Bowls we probably shouldn't, and we're going to lose some we probably shouldn't. Never. And as much as I hated the ending of that one la- last one on Saturday, the combination of pregame expectations, how we outplayed them, along with Auburn's recruiting success, has given me hope that we will be more competitive and probably favored in many future Iron Bowls. I guess it's better to lose one on a lucky but well-executed play to make you 6-6 six and six than a kick-six-like play taking you out of 
the SEC and BCS championship. That's a I good guess point. I'm saying they all hurt, but some hurt more long term, like Wrong Way Bow, the Earthquake LSU game, yeah. the BCS championship game with the Final Four. All those losses cost Auburn far more than Saturday's loss. That's a still, very good point. It's true. He says, still, I sat there, Jordan Hares, the clock ticked to zero with your stupid, I am devastated sound clip <laughs> playing in my head and feeling every bit of it. Uh, yep. he, sa- he goes on to say, fortunately, thanks to you guys, I had a coping strategy that had arrived in the mail on Monday after the game, a copy of First Time Ever. As I began reading, the book stirred up strong emotions I had and still have about the 1989 game. You guys did a great job explaining what I knew, but younger people don't. And that was explaining what it was like dealing with Alabama in the years leading up to the game. Yes. You also added oh, good, more of the background history with things about Alabama and how they treated Auburn that I didn't know. Yes. I might say you gave me more concrete information to validate my hate. This is what I wanted, John. This is I'm this is I'm soaking this up. This is exactly what I was hoping that readers would take from it was exactly what he just said. I'm still going. I love the die household quote about how it was going to be the most emotional day in Auburn history. Mm -hmm. They were right. And over 30 years later are still right. My Auburn happy tears surfaced a few times as I remembered back with pure gratitude of my personal experience of that day, what it meant for the greater Auburn family. The book helped me get over Saturday faster as I remember that Auburn wins every two years just because Bama has to come to Auburn. And yes, I think that Bama wins every two years because we forced them to see how much better their home Iron Bowl is for fans Mm -hmm. on their campus. They will never thank us, but they should. Mm-hmm. One point you didn't matter, or you did make in the book that mattered to me personally was by having the game at Birmingham, think about how many of the common Auburn and Alabama fans were cheated out of seeing the game in person for 40 plus years. Yeah. I was one of the fans while I was growing up and I was bitter about it. When I got my first chance as a student, I skipped it because there was no way I wanted to experience the Bears' 315th win. I wisely waited to go the next year and got Bo over the top. Oh, wow. Nice. Yes. There are two more things I want to share with you personally that matter to me. I can't express how much that I appreciate that my ticket graces the cover of the book about the Mm. most important sports event of my life, Mm. and I'm including the national championship game, Bo over the top or the kick six. Secondly, I have never been quoted in any book. It will probably never be again, but it makes me happy it was a book about Auburn and it seems very right that my quote refers to Alabama as those SOBs. <laughs> they will, that will forever be my contribution in print to Auburn football history and oh, lore. Oh, that's Thank awesome. Thank you for taking time to put together the definitive book about the 1989 game. It is a must-read if you love Auburn football. It's a wonderful trip down memory lane of the greatest day ever to be an Auburn title. War damn eagle, Jim McCrory. Oh, Jim, you've made my – weekend with that i we did not pay him (laughs) to say that that um yeah that's exactly what i mean that was my kind of my goal was that people would look at this book and think that and and that just absolutely encapsulates kind of what i was hoping would would people would take from it so that's so that's so good that's so good appreciate him appreciate him saying that all right and then we had an email from uh brett wiggerber wiggins Mm-hmm. And the title of his email was Iron Bowl Officiating Observations from a High School Official. 
Um, he says, uh, Dear Van and John, sorry this didn't make it prior to the Iron Bowl episode, which really helped me get over the disappointment of the game. Glad. Like you, Van, I made a decision a long time ago that the outcome of what 18 to 23 year old kids do in a football field will not affect my mood for more than a few hours, but this one stung a lot. He says, I've seen fans from both sides complaining about the officiating of the game. There are a few things I'd like to discuss from the point of view point of view of an official. Number one, yes, they missed the face mask on Batie. No, I can't explain it. Others than there are 22 players and eight officials, and officials are trained not to ball to watch the ball, so eyes are not usually on the ball carrier. Number two, the last play of the game, there was a push-off by the Alabama receiver, but there was also a hole by D.J. James. From what I saw, the crew established early on they would let them play, and that's not going to change in the fourth quarter, nor should it. And he went on to, to review kind of the, the plays that the Alabama fans are upset over and kind of walk through why those you know shouldn't have been the things that people get upset about. Um and he goes on to say at the end, I hope people realize that officials spend countless hours watching film, working on mechanics, and reading rule books and case books to make split-second decisions. There is a human error in officiating just like a quarterback. Is it going to complete 100% of his passes or a field goal kicker not named Alex McPherson? We'll yeah. miss one here or there. So do officials. I'm also happy to answer any questions you or other AA Wishbone family may have concerning rules, rules interpretation, or officials' mechanics. Uh, there's a YouTube channel, NCAA Resources, has been put out videos weekly with Steve Shaw explaining several calls from the prior week. Um, at this time, they haven't done one related to the Iron Bowl. So thanks, Brett Wigaber Wigan. So I, I thought that was great, and we will yes. definitely take you up on that when there's a future officiating controversy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and by the way, he did note McPherson, and that's absolutely right. I hadn't, We haven't mentioned this, but McPherson finished the regular season without missing a field goal. That's got to be a first in Auburn history for sure. I'm, I'm going to go back and do some research on this. It's that it, it's very possible. I hope he doesn't miss one in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you better be knocking on wood. When yeah, I don't mean to mess up his perfect game or whatever, but, I mean, that deserves recognition, though. Absolutely. Um, speaking of recognition, they released all SEC teams. He did not get picked. <laughs> but Marcus Harris and uh, Jalen Simpson were on the first team. And a couple of other players were on the second team. So, how do you not pick the kicker that doesn't miss? Yeah, they picked a stupid Alabama kicker, I think, over him. So yeah. he kicked more, he, I guess, but whatever. Yeah. But he's a senior too. I think it's a yeah. Thing. All right, our next email is from Trey Bamberg, who says, "John Van, how does Liberty going undefeated the year after Freeze leaves make you feel?" A Freeze is a great program builder and left the program in a great situation to succeed. Or B, the new coach, Chad Wells, a better coach, and has taken the program to a level Freeze was not able to reach. After Freeze's first year, I have no doubt he's a great recruiter, but I also still have doubt if he can manage a team consistently to be great each week. Thanks for all you do, War Eagle Trey Bamberg. And who's Liberty playing? They're playing like a, a good, a big team, right? Oregon. Yeah. Oh, wow. That should be interesting. Liberty got the group of five spot in the New Year's Day playoffs. They edged out SMU, right, another team with former Auburn tie-ins, yeah. and got that spot. And so they will be Liberty will be playing Bo Nix in Oregon if, if Bo Nix plays. Interesting. Um, next question is from Samuel Salvatore. He says, hello, yes. guys of War Eagle. Mary Flipness. 
Yes. When is the last time Auburn had a wide receiver top class like 2024? Put the word out there that we back up. <laughs> hey, let's put the word out there. I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. Um, I, I mean, our greatest receiver classes, I think our greatest receiver class was probably the class that came in in the 2002 freshman yeah. year. And had they had our only five-star, Ben Obamanu, and they had um, Aroma Shadu, Mix, and Courtney Taylor, who redshirted. Um, they had, maybe, they had a, another four-star guy named Monte Pitts, who ended up tra- moving to defensive back. That's right. That's right. That was a great class. And a lot of them played as freshmen. They started in that USC game, the first game of 2002, except for um, uh, the one that redshirted didn't play until the following Courtney year. Courtney Taylor played the – yeah, he redshirted because he was a quarterback. He wasn't a receiver coming in, so he had to kind of learn the whole thing. But that – I think that was our best – I think that was our best receiving class. The 87 team was Pat Dye's best receiving group because it had Lawyer Tillman, Freddie Wagan, Duke Donaldson – Trey Gaines. I mean, that was his. That's a pretty good group for an '80s running-oriented team. That's a pretty good. And then they got in, and, and Alexander Wright. He wasn't quite what he would be yet. You know, '89 was his senior year, and that was when he really kind of was the lead receiver. But he was on that. As far as I remember, he was on that '87 team with all those other guys, and they were good. There has to be one of the Terry recruiting classes that was really good. Oh, oh. Classes. I don't. They they were kind of spread out though. I'm not they sure they all came in in one year. But you had. But you did have Karsten Bailey, Eric Lowe, uh, Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker, and the cocaine baker, um, and um, and then uh, um, oh the uh, Willie Gauthier and Tyrone Goodson. Mm-hmm. There were Tyrone some good Goodson, receivers. most underrated receiver in Auburn history. He was absolutely was. I didn't realize until I looked at his numbers how good he was, and and also the. Um, you also had that one receiver in there that had played at punt returner for Pat Dye in 92, and then by 93 and 94, he was like one of our really good receivers, and I can't think of his name now. He caught the fourth down pass, I believe, at Florida in 94, and then we turned around and scored to Frank Sanders, who was also – you're talking about. Frank Sanders was in there too. Yep. That's a good group. All right. Our next email is from a uh, friend of the program, Jared. Yep. Who says, uh, time for another Jared theory – <laughs> Who do we blame for the ridiculous bump that media darling Alabama got to make the playoff? Jared says the SEC East. As usual, their weakness <laughs> made Georgia look better than advertised, and that gave the committee the excuse they needed. Look, Bama beat undefeated Georgia. We should let them vault undefeated FSU into the playoffs. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Sweet Christmas. I wish Auburn was in the East. But we all know as soon as we got there, they'd all get good again. Yes. And he says, hashtag Auburn life. <laughs> it is. That's a, Everything he says there is absolutely 100%. 100%. This is true. It is. That's right. Uh, so he also sent me another tweet by some other people and said, please read this. And so the original tweet says, Auburn fans right here trying to break their back, ensuring Bama doesn't go to the playoff when it literally generates revenue for the SEC as a whole. And an Auburn fan replied, not a single SEC fan base got upset when undefeated Auburn was left out in 2004. Why should we care now? Amen. And and even beyond that, we didn't raise the Jolly Roger, the, the, the pirate flag, and declare independence after 2004. 
It was 2010 when not a single tear was shed, not a single finger was lifted to when we were being uh, falsely accused. They all piled on. The rest of the SEC piled on us. Alabama fans, if you think Auburn was piling on you yesterday over this weekend, how do you think SEC other SEC programs and fans treated Auburn in 2010 when Cam was going through all that crap that ended up being totally baseless, cleared of every bit of it, and they piled on, and we said, the heck with the rest of the SEC then. You can all go jump, right? I mean, they did nothing. Well, they did do something. They actively worked against us. Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Mississippi State in particular and Florida, their hands were filthy dirty with that, 100% filthy. So I don't ever want to hear Alabama play in the, oh, poor us, everybody's teaming up against us and missing out on all this money card. You should support the conference. (laughs) Good God, man. Are you kidding me? What a joke. That is ridiculous. All right. A few more emails. (laughs) First one. Read on. Read on. Carry on. I have to finish my show soon, so carry on. Maybe I'll let you guys come back on it again sometime. First one is from Lister Chris Thrash, who says, First of all, I would like to reveal myself. I am Frosty. Oh! Frosty! There he is. He says, uh, I'll send you my Venmo handle separately so you can send me the prize money. Please clap. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, he says, In the 2014 Rose Bowl, I remember an obnoxious FSU fan turning around and giving my wife and I the double bird when FSU went ahead to win. As painful mm. as that Iron Bowl, wa- Iron Bowl loss was nine days ago, mm. I like to think it at least the miracle lead. I like to at least... Uh, think that at least the, that miracle led to that guy missing out on a trip to the college football Oh, play. there you go. Well played. Well played. I approve of that message. Amen. All right. And next, uh, next email is from Earl Ricks. And the title of his email, the subject line is, Playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> I, it's, I, I, oh. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? There you go. So he says, what a crazy weekend. After digesting that playoff selection results, it seems clear to me at this point the only discussion the committee had was how to get Alabama into the playoff. They couldn't justify that without putting in Texas because of the head-to-head, so they just jumped SFU for eyeball reasons. You could see it coming when Texas came in at number three. Odd that they felt FSU was still top four after beating the Gators, but then after beating Louisville, they were no longer top four. If FSU was really that much worse without Jordan Travis, why drop them to only number five? They'd still be better than Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon, but not just not Alabama or Texas anymore. Also, it was kind of classless to announce the 14 playoffs on TV and then cut to live video of the disappointed FSU team. Washington never got shown, but they made sure to show sad FSU. That's And true. as an Auburn fan, I have mixed feelings on the whole situation because playing both Alabama and Georgia every season, we always had some kind of say on who makes a four-team playoff. On the one hand, we are fully responsible for not slaying the dragon and allowing Bama that window to make it in. On the other hand, 2013 Auburn says fifth place is first place loser, and 2004 Auburn says welcome to the club. No matter what the athletic director thinks, FSU is not the first undefeated Power 5 team to get left out. 
Keep up the great work. I just got my first ever books, and they look great. Earl Ricks. Oh, great. Glad another another set arrived safely. I'm glad to hear these books are arriving safely because I packaged the bejesus out of them. I really packaged them good. So, um, All right. Any more questions? I, we have a few more. Oh, yeah. We got a few more. I, I'm going to – okay. Now I'm going to count. <laughs> there are five emails left. Woo! We got a lot of questions this week. We're going to get the third hour. We're going to be in the third hour of the AU Wishbone. The listeners have thoughts. They do. Bill Miner, fun hypothetical for you. Had a four-team or 12-team playoff existed in in all times for Auburn football, which singular team would have had the best chance to win it all? I think 2004 was the most complete team I recall Auburn having, but my time frame only goes back to the – Mid nineties, since I was too young or not born before then. Obviously, y'all wish eighty three team got a crack at Miami as well. Yeah, eighty three, eighty eight, and, and then people forget about eighty eight. That team that lost that fluky earthquake game in LSU. I think they'd have beaten anybody else in the country they played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they almost beat Florida State in the bowl, but it was a game that nobody was interested in. They should have been the national championship. They got a one loss road loss, a one point road loss, relegated them out of the. Yeah, it was garbage. To a bowl game, they didn't. I, I, I think 2004. Uh, but again, there was a lot. There was good teams that year. I mean, that that 2004. Yeah, Southern Cal team was legitimately good. But I think that would have been a heck of a game. Good. That we we act yeah. like we won would have won it hands down. But I mean, I would have loved to see g- the 93 team get a shot. Oh yeah, absolutely. The 93 for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, the next one, I. Uh, Reynolds Wolf posted this on Twitter. It was very funny where he said, I cannot believe that I'm now agreeing with Dan Mullen. <laughs> facts are facts. If you missed it, Dan Mullen went on there and talked about, you know, kind of the hypocrisy of the whole thing and what happens. About the playoffs? Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, good for Mullen. I can't believe it either. I agree with Reynolds. It was shocking. Um, it was Booger McFarlane was the main person that was like, what is this crap when it happened? Yeah. On the, on the Sunday show, he was the one speaking the truth. So. Amen. All right. Uh, the first the next I'll, one's from Josh. I'll kind of forgive him for all those sacks of Damian Craig. <laughs> I'm not doing that yet. But uh, next email is from Josh Corbett, who says, John Van, I want to start by saying thank you for the book. I started reading it, and it's just as great as your other books. Oh, now, on the proper you. business, my Auburn fund meter is at an all-time low, and we just flipped a five-star wide receiver. How can this be? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you asked. Basketball went to the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains and lost. And then to top things off, Alabama backdoored their way into the college football playoff. I need some good news this week in football recruiting and basketball to get the fun meter back up. Mm-hmm. Where he goes always, Josh Corbett. Yeah, Sunday was kind of sucky. It was just, you know, there was the playoffs in, around noon and then the basketball team in the afternoon. That was not good. That's it. All right, our next email is from Trey Jackson who says, Good evening, gentlemen, and Boris. Yes, thank you. Host of the show. My show. Yes, yes. He says, I found myself doing the unthinkable on Saturday, hoping the barking human adults known as the Georgia Bulldogs would win a football game. (laughs) I think it's because I believe the universe will be restored to somewhat proper order if Alabama's miracle finish in the Iron Bowl is rendered meaningless, and I want it to happen as soon as possible. I'm sure you've already discussed the joke of the college football committee wants us to take seriously this Alabama getting in ahead of the undefeated conference champion. They can try to rationalize that however they want. 
I believe the real reason was that Alabama getting left out would incur the wrath of the little man with the biggest bully pulpit the sport has ever seen, Nick Saban, not to mention the hordes of prominent insurance salesmen and fine bomb callers who keep Walmart in business. Faced with that, upsetting Florida State is a ceremonial sacrifice and an appeal to mercy. Ask yourself, would a Nick Saban coach team who went undefeated but lost multiple star players to injury ever get left out? You know the answer, and that's the real reason. So here's what I dread but believe will happen. Alabama will meet Michigan and face Texas in the title game and then beat them, thus avenging their only loss of the season. Mm. The miracle Iron Bowl finish will be part of another national championship. The only silver lining I can imagine this will be how this will be how Saban decides to retire. Am I wrong? Is there hope for something else? Bear in mind, I just watched our basketball team lose, too, so the fun meter has seen better days. Here's hoping the rest of the world joins us in recognizing that Alabama success comes at the expense of human dignity and cheers for the good guys. War Eagle anyway, and War Eagle always, Trey. Amen. No, that's, 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 that was deep. Deep cut, Trey, but legit. That was great stuff. All right, and our last email is from New York Tiger. All right. I did. This is what he says. It's a good one. I remember this was a good one. Uh, Fired up. He says, after, um, after last week's AE Wishbone podcast, I have a few things I would like to say. Um, this is more cathartic for me than anything else. He says, I did feel 10% better after last week's podcast. Good episode. deal. Success. He says, first, I'm getting really tired of hearing people, even Auburn people, speak of a game in Tuscaloosa as if it's an automatic loss. Hmm. Oh, well, now we have to wait until 2025 for another shot at beating Alabama. Ridiculous. As of this moment, Auburn has never had an overall losing record at Tuscaloosa. The current all-time record there is 7-7. Sure, most of those Auburn wins were a century ago, and Saban has a crazy good record at home. But to get where we belong as a program, we have to get over this idea that a game in Tuscaloosa or anywhere else is unwinnable. Let's start by beating the hell out of the tide on their home turf in 2024. I, for one, am counting on it. Second, speaking of the Iron Bulls in Tuscaloosa and everywhere else, we all know that for decades they said it would never happen. The Iron Bowl will never be played in Auburn. Well, it has been played in Auburn 17 times now compared to just 14 times in Tuscaloosa, which means, assuming Auburn continues to play its home game in Auburn every other year, that Tuscaloosa will never pass be able to pass Auburn in the number of Iron Bowls hosted. Oh, and this gets, gets even than, it gets even better. Yeah, I was gonna say it gets even better. This is this is brilliant. It gets even better than that. The Iron Bowl has been played in Birmingham 53 times and Montgomery four times. So unless Alabama goes back to playing its home Iron Bowls at Birmingham, eventually Auburn will pass Birmingham as the site and city which has hosted the most Iron Bowls. Unbelievable. According to my calculations, that year will be 2077. (laughs) When the game kicks off in Auburn that year, Auburn will have hosted its 54th Iron Bowl, the place they said the game will never be played, will be the place where the game has most often been played. Wow. I just never thought of that. I never thought of that, John. I never thought of it easier. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. He goes on to say, I just wish those jerks would still be around to see it, and I wish <laughs> I would still be around to <laughs> yeah, see it. Yeah, well, no kidding. He says, third, Reynolds Wolf hit the nail on the head last with his point last week. Whenever you can, 
make the visitor's offense drive into the student's section late in the game. Yeah. I believe this philosophy goes all the way back to Shug. When Auburn is up in the fourth quarter, it is to our advantage to have the other team's offense have to drive into the south end zone, our student section, to score. This is not always within our control, of course, but if we are in the position of choosing which end of the field to defend at the start of the second half, we should always choose to defend the north end zone. Thus, we will not be defending the south end zone student section in the fourth quarter. If I'm not... If I am not mistaken, we had the opportunity to choose which end zone to defend to begin the second half against both Georgia and Alabama this season. Both times, we elected to defend the south end zone in the third quarter, and both times our bitter rivals scored the winning touchdown in the north end zone in the fourth quarter. Mm. You have to wonder if at least one of those outcomes would have gone our way if the pups of the tide had been forced to drive into the heart of hell to get that winning score. Mm. Someone needs to appraise Coach Freeze of this philosophy. Maybe it would not have changed the outcome of either game, but it sure couldn't have hurt. Finally, and not that I'm taking any issue issue with you in any way, Van, but of the now 17 Iron Bowls in Jordan-Hare Stadium that I have attended, 16 of them have required me to make a pilgrimage from New York City to Auburn. I was a sophomore in 89. I graduated from AU in June of 93 and moved to August in New York in August of 93, and I have been here ever since. So 16 times I've journeyed to Mecca to help Auburn defend home turf against the tide. Commitment, baby. Or maybe my <laughs> wife is right. I should be committed. Thanks for <laughs> lending so in here. War Eagle, New York Tiger. War Eagle, New York Tiger. That was awesome. And I just got to say, I love every bit of it. But I love that he re- – I hadn't thought about that. Because, you know, we've just written a book focused on the one time that Alabama played in Auburn. And it never really dawned on me that with that – if you carry, if you extrapolate out in the future, it's going to go from being the place they never played to the place they played the most. It's, it's never brilliant. really gone on me. It's it so is. brilliant, and but it's also because they didn't give up Birmingham right away and switch to Tuscaloosa when we went to Auburn. I was going to say the big mistake Alabama made is they should have realized this and immediately moved it to Tuscaloosa, so they would have been ahead because they would have been ahead yeah. if they changed it immediately. But they waited too long. That's right. Oh, that's I. I also I love his point about the south end zone thing, and I'm gonna say this: you normally you never see teams pick a direction unless there's, there's a huge win and it's gonna matter with field goals or punting, or whatever. You right. never see that. Right. I think this is a real thing having the other team drive into our student section at the end of the first half and the end of the game in the yeah. fourth quarter. I think to me, when you win the coin toss, you have a choice. You could pick direction, or you can choose to have the ball first half or second half. I think Auburn should start choosing direction if we win the toss. Mm-hmm. And let the other team pick which half they want the ball. Because this is a bigger advantage than deciding whether to have the ball first or not. I'm, I'm down. I'm down with it. All right, let's take a trip. You're in our third hour of let's AU Let's take a tonight. trip around the FTC. <laughs> Hour 17. The SEC championship game, we know how that played out. Did you have any thoughts about that game just real quick? I, I, Georgia's, Georgia's intimidated by Alabama. Georgia does not have confidence that they can beat Alabama. I, I told my friend uh, that's a big Georgia fan, I said, this is the one thing Auburn has on Georgia is we are never intimidated by Alabama. We expect to beat them. And Georgia expects to lose. 
I think in their heart, Georgia thinks Alabama's always going to beat them, and so Alabama. Are they not like 0 for 5 now against Alabama in this easy championship game? It's something insane. They may be 0 for 5. Yeah. I mean, it's not just, you know, the best team won that night. If you're 0 for 5 and you were higher ranked. They're in their heads. Nobody thinks this Alabama team is that much better than this Georgia team. No. I mean, Auburn rushed for 280 yards in Alabama. Georgia rushed for like 60. Yes. That was insane. So, in hindsight, what it tells me is not only should we have beaten Alabama, we should have beaten Georgia. Yes. But also, like. This past season could have been so different. But here's the other thing. Even if we didn't win those games, you could take this away. We're not that far away from two of the best teams in America. No, that's right. But imagine we beat Georgia and Alabama, which is not inconceivable by any means. Imagine that we finish those two games out and, and everything else play out the way to be a year where we beat Georgia and Alabama and lost to New Mexico State, Ole Miss, and uh, oh. and uh, Texas A&M. <laughs> mm. All right, SEC Bowl matchups. Texas Bowl, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M. That's a very Texasy flavor. <laughs> game. Yeah. Um, Gator Bowl, Kentucky, Clemson. That's a good matchup because I would say that Clemson is, is playing down to Kentucky level yes. this year. And so it's a fairly even. I would think Clemson would win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than it normally would be. Fairly even, but also a good, you know, a good defensive matchup. Yeah, that strikes me as like a 24 to 17 Clemson win, but a hard fought one. Yeah. Yep. Maybe 14 like 14 at the half or something. Um, the Cotton Bowl, Ohio State and Missouri. Missouri is over the freaking moon. I think they think this means they're in the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> I think Missouri's like, oh, yeah. we're playing Ohio State this week and I guess Michigan next week and Penn State. Oh, there we are, baby. There we go. I was going to say, they might find out what it feels like to be a Big Ten team in this game and if Ohio State blows them out of the stadium. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I still, I, I'm like... I am currently 50% way to go, Missouri. You guys, good job. And 50%, this has got to be smoke and mirrors. There's no way Elias Drinkwitz, whatever, has got them at t- top level. There's no they way. They have a good running back. They have a couple of really good receivers. They have a solid quarterback. Their defense is not terrible. God. So, we need, we I think it's actually their receivers and Ohio State's receivers could be a fun game, except Ohio State's quarterback entered the transfer portal this morning. So, <laughs> is he gonna, so he's not going to play in that game? I don't believe so. Wow. All right. All right. He's going to be with his new team. John. His new oh, friend. I, yeah, really. I don't know if you heard the news. Ole Miss finally made it to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not it's not the SEC championship game, which they will now It'll never be have funny. Played. They should wear like SEC championship game Atlanta merch or buy it in the gift they shop or something. They totally do that. But they're playing Penn State in the Peach Bowl. I don't think there's ever been a bowl game that has come up in the world so much as the Peach Bowl, which used to be a just up on the par with the Birmingham Bowl. I was going to say the Peach Bowl used to be like the Music City Bowl, whereas now I remember watching Auburn play a six and six Indiana team oh, yeah. outdoors at Fulton County Stadium yeah. in the mud. Um, this is the third yeah. different stadium that game's been played at. Mm-hmm. But because of the venue so much better now, it's a better bowl. There's more money in it too, but just in a much yeah. better venue. You you can't play a bowl in that palace that Atlanta has now and it not be a, a much bigger bowl. You know, it was the Chick Fil A bowl there for a while, but it was still the still the same thing. But um, yeah. So Ole Miss and Penn State. I mean, that actually sounds like a pretty decent game. 
It's a good game. I mean, it's a good matchup. I mean, you know, Ole Miss's offense against Penn State defense. I'll watch that. It's I, I kind of like the bowl matchups this year. Some years you just look at them and go, oh, "This was stupid," but these are all pretty good. And then we have <laughs> the one I just start laughing as soon as I see it. What what evil, sick, twisted, demented genius said, "Let's put Georgia and Florida State in the same." bowl game. The two teams that have absolutely no interest in playing, much less playing each other. I mean, that's I, this is like the, the the bride that got jilted at the at the altar and the groom at the church next door that got jilted at the altar go off and go to like a resort together and instead of like partying and sleeping together and everything. They're just sitting there nursing their cocktails and staring angrily off into the distance and ignoring each other. That's what this game's going to be like. I, I hear you, but I, I think, I mean, to me, the winner of this game should declare themselves national champion. Oh, yeah. Well, it, or just not play. Well, I mean, I think there's a, there. this again, bowl, motivation in bowl games is a huge unknown, and yeah. we don't know what's going to happen. But I think FSU... They're going to be hurt for a couple of weeks, but I think they're going to come out and be fired up to prove something, and they're going to try to embarrass Georgia. Oh, that would be They so are going good. to take it to them, and Georgia better be ready to play. You said that FSU was your third most hated team after Alabama and Georgia, but that means they're hated less than Georgia. That means we're for Florida State Again, in this game. I'm, I'm in meteor territory with yeah. this game. I'm not cheering on Yeah, I, I'm probably going to cheer for Florida State for a number of reasons here. Uh, just, but, mm. but, but, but Stay you, those words. but you, man, but you make a good point though, that, that they've got a motivation that Georgia doesn't have. Georgia's just kind of like sons of, you know, Georgia's like, we won two national titles in a row and we blew it against Alabama. Now we're here and we don't have to take this game seriously. Right. But Florida state's going to have a chip on their shoulder. But also, like, if this was the week one game next year, it'd be the biggest game of the season. Oh, yeah. Well, and this is basically the team that was number one until a couple of days ago versus a 13-0 undefeated conference champion. This is a huge game. That's why I think it's great the matchup was great because it's – I mean, this is easily the best bowl game matchup. But on paper, yes – but psychologically and mentally and every other way, it's a terrible matchup because they don't care. Did you see the two coaches? I tweeted that picture of the two coaches. That was so funny. They were both just like they – they both looked like they kind of need to go excuse themselves and go to the bathroom yeah, or something. They look like their dog just died. So. Oh, man. So, all right. The Relia Quest Bowl, LSU-Wisconsin, better LSU than us. That's all I have to say about that game. Um, Citrus Bowl, Iowa, some Iowa BS in Tennessee. Is that <laughs> Iowa versus Tennessee? Tennessee. That I, uh, I mean, uh, Iowa is great on defense, but abysmal on offense. Wow, they're going to cause problems for Tennessee's offense. But they're uh, Iowa's offense is so bad, Tennessee can win this game if it's like ten to three or something. So, but it will <sighs> not be. I'm just going to say this. I'm glad we're not playing Iowa. That will not be pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we've got, I guess, the Rose Bowl, Michigan, Alabama, which, well, let me get to the end of it, then I'm going to say this, and then Washington and Texas. Washington, Texas is interesting because Washington certainly proved themselves uh, going undefeated, beating Oregon twice and all that. They looked tough in those games. They like had good secondary, good defense. They had just enough offense to, 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 to complement their defense. But then I feel like Texas could come out there and beat them by double digits if things go that way. Possibly, I I, I keep thinking 
uh, Washington, you know, this is this is when it all comes apart for them. But now yeah. I'm like, well, everybody said that last week, though. And that's what I'm saying. I'm tired. Of, I'm done saying that. I think yeah. they're legitimately really, really good. I think they have a, a great quarterback. They got three NFL receivers. I mean, Polk and Adunze and McMillan are there. Those guys can play, and they're going to cause problems for Texas a lot. And they they're good on both lines. They're not great on the offensive line, but they're solid. They have a big physical running back, and they have a good defensive line. They got some good secondary players. So, I think, and Texas has you know they're excellent. They're they're best running back is hurt and will play in this game but uh they got they have two big defensive linemen in the middle that are both absolute studs they're going to be high draft picks and they're going to cause washington some problems um so that's the real the game but i'm i think this game is very even and and uh i wouldn't be shocked either way but i yeah i really like those washington receivers i think at this what i i I, I was watching that game with them against Oregon and those receivers, like on key plays, they get open, they make a play, they make a big third down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just dreaming. This was after the Cam Coleman news, and I was just dreaming these thoughts of Auburn having great receivers. <laughs> oh, gosh. That'd be so. The day is coming. The day is coming. And then finally, Michigan, Alabama, I'll just say, I honestly look at all of this and I feel like we need Michigan to stop them. I don't want it to have to go to the last line of defense. I feel like Agreed. We, need, we need Michigan, Michigan to get the job done. Michigan has the talent on both lines to do it, I think. And they have they have two great running backs. Um, they're really good on defense. I think also, I just think the funniest outcome in all of civilization would be for Michigan to win the national title this year and then be told to forfeit a bunch of the games. I think that would just be <laughs> hilarious. So that's what I'm cheering for. Vacate the entire Play. Mm-hmm. After all this blood has been shed and ink has been spilled, to vacate this whole thing would just kind of be an appropriate way for it to end. Well, they're just the the biggest holier than thou team. The oh yeah, y'all in the South were cheating and we're doing it the right way. So now oh, them whatever. winning and then having to forfeit would just be that would be beautiful. It would. All right. Well, speaking of perfect ways to end things, it's time to end. So, your last thoughts as we go off into the sunset in hour three tonight. <laughs> Listen, the people demanded more podcast. We gave them more podcast, and uh, nowhere to go but up. It's been nice to have you two on my podcast tonight. Perhaps I'll invite you back on some other day on my show. All right, everybody. Good night, good night, good night. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, boys. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.